Hey guys, welcome back to the New Path Martial Arts Podcast. Starting today, joining me on the podcast week to week is going to be a longtime instructor uh, in the area, one of my instructors, and also one of the uh, main components of New Path Martial Arts Academy, Master Dave Converse. So I'm happy to have him on today as a guest for the podcast. So let me let the man himself introduce himself. Master Dave. Thanks, James. My name is Dave Converse. And I've been involved in the martial arts in the Joliet and Plainfield area since um, 1985. And prior to that, you know, I was, I've been teaching since 1985 at the Plainfield Park District. I did for 10 years and then I opened a commercial school in 1995 in Plainfield. And well, I've had a continuous, been teaching a ten, continuous class since 1985 and, um, you know, different... Uh, Mainly karate, uh, kempo, and in uh, Arnis, Filipino martial arts. Um, but I've just been really lucky and to um, be exposed to and learn all the things that I have and meet the people that I have over the years. And um, for whatever reason, that's just something I always wanted to do. And um, you know, I went to uh, college and got a degree in uh, finance, but seemed like I never really wanted to work at a bank or anything like that. So um, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I have my own business, so I opened a karate school, and, you know, here I am today. Yeah, you've definitely been a part of helping bring a lot of guys out to this area, especially back in the day. You you were in that group with, like, uh, Birch and Golden and um, bringing out guys like Wally J, bringing out Remy Prisas, you know, the, the big push to uh, put out Modern Arnis. And it's kind of interesting knowing your backstory because, I mean, you've kind of went through a lot of the different variables of the different styles. You boxed, you know, you talk a little bit about your boxing background. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, Mr. Golden uh, gave me the opportunity to host um, Master Precess to come to the area. So, I'm, you know, I'm, I was just extremely fortunate for that. And, um, yeah, I grew up in Kansas and back in... Um, yeah, the '60s. I had I got involved with some boxing and um, and had some you know about I think like four you know fights in a big arena you know in front of a crowd and um, so I was uh, I mean I just kind of lucked into it. That was never really my intention <laughs> and um, but you know that that's the way it turned out and then. Um, I was thinking about this. I never came up really in a traditional, like a karate school where uh, some of them are really strict. Where they, it's almost like it's militaristic because it, um, a lot of it comes from the military guys that brought the martial arts back to this country after World War II. But I never was involved in that, so it was more like um, just you know more informal. So, so I felt comfortable, or I didn't feel uncomfortable at least, you know studying two or three different styles at a time and um, where some systems you know they're closed and you can't even talk to somebody from another school or whatever and so yeah. I think I was just fortunate in that sense to where I was exposed to a lot of different um, a lot of different things uh, ideas and um, but now 
it's totally different with the, you know with the MMA, the mixed martial arts. Now everybody wants to study everything. They want to study boxing. They want to study, you know, um, stand up or kicking and takedowns, um, jujitsu and the wrestling and um, and to, and to be really good at the MMA, you have to kind of know a little bit about all of those disciplines and uh, the guys that I think really. Uh, win or that do the best are they're pretty good at everything. They yeah, might they have can mixed up well. Yeah, yeah, but they can they can strike, they can kick, they can uh, you know grapple. Uh, That's why like athletes at a high level, like NFL players, do well when they cross over stuff like that. Their acuity is different. You know their ability to be physical. You can put all that stuff together <laughs> at one time. Man, you can definitely uh, do some do some work in the UFC. Yeah, every now and then, one of those uh, other Athletes from another uh, discipline will try the UFC or try try a mixed martial arts. They don't do too well. Yeah. Some they're I mean they're big and strong and they're uh, they're athletic, but it's 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 like a it's different when you don't have any pads on and you know, you're getting hit in the face and all that kind of stuff. So what I was able to do is I I was taking um, some karate classes in the area. Well, I started out with uh, some uh, Taekwondo because of the um, place where I was working, there was a Taekwondo academy opened up, you know, in the next door, a few doors down. And so I, oh, I'll try this, you know, I got involved and it was, it was really exciting and uh, the instructor was inspirational and all that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, the focus is on... Um, you know, sport fighting or whatever, and, and that's all. That's all good. But um, the instructor left the area after a while, and I got involved in karate and um, you know, working stuff. And then, uh, then that's how I, I got exposed to um, the Ryukyu Kempo. Um, Master Doman came to the area to do a workshop. I wanted to see him, and then he suggested to everybody there, if you get a chance to see a man named Rumi Priestess. Um, go see him. He's got good stuff, and um, and he happened to be coming three weeks later or whatever, a month later, and so I went to see him, and I got um, met some people there in Chicago, and they said, well, you can come train with us if you want, and I did that, and then I went to camps, and then I was just fortunate to be able to host Master Priestess to come to the Joliet area, and I did that for nine years. And, you know, I mean, it just, um, but I guess the point I'm getting at is that I don't think I'm that special, but if you, if you just keep working and stuff, anybody can get it. Yeah. And so what I ended up doing is over time I, I developed a system where I combined uh, the Arnis with the Kempo and really every other, everything else that I've been exposed to. I mean, you know, you just, it just... Add the elements. Yeah, it just goes in. I mean, it's like... Yeah, I mean, um, and so I developed a system. I organized it into a, um, a progression system, so to speak, where I use the traditional belt colors and, and ranks to like give people a, um, a path to advance. And But advancement simply means that you've learned certain things, you know, and so that gives value to your your belt, your belt color. So the belt color for the students needs to represent their, what they know. 
Yeah. Everybody's skill level might be a little bit different. You know, some people are going to be more athletic or, or uh, stronger or, you know, whatever, uh, taller, shorter. So really a person needs to kind of adapt it to their own, uh, their own body type. But the belt system, and then, um, so what I did mainly is, you know, I didn't invent any uh, martial art or anything, but what I did was I organized it, a training path so that you can, um, if someone would follow my system, it's, they're going to have a lot of knowledge. They're going to be good. Um, oh, and then what I do is, is I organize it so if you earn a belt, you're getting, a, it's like in college, they call it a double major. You're getting a belt in two different systems, Modern Arnese and Ruku Kempel, because they're, they just, they overlap. Um, but so I've been, um, yeah, I've been teaching classes continuously. And, well, when I first started my commercial school in 1995, I mean, there really there wasn't the internet, so to speak. I guess there was, but not like today. Um, and I used to do uh, advertisements in newspapers and Black Belt magazine. And um, so when things started changing, or, or you know, people were using the internet, I was kind of like um, stubborn in the sense that you know, I don't need that stuff. And now I wish I would kept up with it, but. And I used to be pretty guarded about the information or the things that I was teaching. You know, I didn't want anybody like stealing them or taking credit for them or whatever. And, and um, but now I think I'm at a point where I'm just ready to anybody that wants to that wants to learn. Hey, you know, put it out there. Definitely. And that's what we've been doing with the academy. There's getting everything in tune for that. You're teaching at both Morris location, Joliet location. You know, we're getting guys that are crossing over from the jiu-jitsu program and kids, you know, they're doing awesome with it. You know, I, and I think the goal, like we talk about all the time with the, with the karate program here, is just to teach competency and just being honest about that. You know, if, if something isn't good yet, hey, we're going to show you how to make it work, but you've got to make it work. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's on you to, to fix that timing, to understand that range, to understand that rhythm. And the only way to do that is through repetition. Constant yeah. repetition, you know. And then that's the value of a class to come to to be able to come to class now, um, because you have people to other people to work with. So it the class really what it does is it provides a, a safe place to practice, you know, scary things or you know serious things. But we we honor the people in class and and because but that's the whole goal is. What if I had to defend myself, you know? Hopefully nobody ever does, but if you had to, then we practice things to do if you have to do something, you know? It's like, um, but you have to practice them. Because, you, well, nowadays there's so much information. I mean, you could buy DVDs, you could, you could just download things, uh, you know, out of the, off the internet or uh, look in books. You can learn movements, all kinds of places to get information, but you have to practice them to be able to make it work. And yeah, and that's what I wanted to be. Um, wanted to be practical and um, useful, right? Yeah, because I, I believe me, just about everything I learned, I learned the hard way. You know, because you gotta. I don't think this will work. But the guy next to me, they might be able to make it work. You know, or whatever. Maybe they're a little bit taller or whatever. Uh, they could make it work, but that one doesn't work for me. So you kind of pick things. So when when I. Uh, 
the, the way I design my system is that there's like a gross motion, you know, this different motion and this stepping pattern. That's a general, you know, it's, it's basic. That works for just about everything. But then you can refine it. You can tweak it down. You can like and and um, and and the patterns. Um, there um, then there's applications for that gross motion, and it might just be like one little part of that motion that works really well. And and another person who could could get um, make it work with a different part of the motion. But so it's kind of you personalize it, you individualize it. That's that individualization only comes with understanding the fundamentals and the basics. Exactly. If you don't, well, and even for me personally, I would see something that like um, maybe from another person. I went to a lot of different workshops over the years, and you see somebody doing something. Oh, here's my take on this movement, and I know the movement or whatever, and I say, oh, that, yeah, that that looks like it might work. But if I get excited about seeing something, then I'll say, well, <clears throat> oh, that movement's in this drill, then it makes me want to practice a drill. I know, because if I can't do the basics, how am I going to do um, the application? You know, you, you got to get the basic movement down you know, really well first, and um, the only way to do it is grind it out, repetition. <clears throat> You'll see that in any uh, athletics, any yeah. sport, though. They, Work on the basics, work on the basics. Work the basics and then scale up your percentages of them. It's like lift, It's like we talked about before. It's like, you know, getting good at those reps is like lifting weights, right? Once you learn your your proper technique, you know, how to how to lift the bar right, where the so bar should hurt be, yourself. so you don't hurt yourself, <laughs> you know, then you work your way up in weight, you know. But once you get heavy, you know, it's it's not any different. It's just you got to be tighter now with your, your, your technique than you would be even if you were going lighter. And guys don't do that. Sometimes they don't scale up. They don't play with those different percentage ranges because to do that is to, to consciously put effort into to making those things work. And that's that's the hard part, right, to get somebody to you know make it work for them instead of just running through the technique like most kids nowadays you see. They have a very pick it up and put it down mentality. They don't want to like... They don't want to work it, you know. They don't want to make it work, and then try to make it work on multiple people. So they're like, "Oh, it just doesn't work." It's like, no, you just haven't put in that time. Yeah, it just didn't work that time, or you don't have, you haven't practiced it enough, or whatever. Because, um, well, everybody and yet everybody throws turning back kicks. Yeah. <laughs> and, and well, and everybody knows how to do stuff. You know, everybody knows how to fight. Or um, sometimes, uh, you know be a little silly or whatever, say, um, you know, everybody knows how, uh, like I know how to play the piano, everybody does. You just sit down in front of it and push the, push down on the buttons. That doesn't mean I can play a song. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's like, and, and people that can play songs or that are really good, they practice, but everybody knows how. And it's kind of like everybody knows how to fight or everybody knows how to defend themselves. But if you don't practice, it's like, um, well, that's it, that's a definition. Martial art. You make an art form out of it, you know. And it's it's not that um, it's not that you're going to go out and hurt people. It's like, um, but you you find your skill so that you you can be safer. And um, yeah, just be uh, and and when you start to get that, um, when a person starts to feel like they could do something if they had to. And they, were, they practiced it enough to where they can get the timing and everything, like you say, and the distancing. And 
then it's like you, it changes how you feel inside. You're a little bit more confident and you can like, and, and then you also realize you, you start, you can avoid things too, you know, you can like, uh, you can kind of, when we will take turns practicing with a partner and, um, okay, you attack me, then I, I get to try something. Okay, I'll attack you and then you can try something. And it's like, so you, you start to, there's all this peripheral learning that goes on to where your eye is picking up distancing and, and um, the timing of another person moving. And you do it, do it slow. You don't have, doesn't have to be like with malice or full speed or anything, but the speed will pick up. And then you get to where, okay, you can almost tell how somebody's going to move. And, yeah. Yeah, at some level. And having a good partner is like having a good spotter. You know what I mean? Yeah. You got to make sure they'll, they'll work with you. And you guys got to trust each other. Because it is important. And I think that's a missing element in a lot of martial arts nowadays. You go to some schools, they don't put that effort in, you know, to like really think like, all right, we got to make this work at 10%, 30%, 50%, 70%, 100%. And then we got to make sure our 60 is somebody else's 100. And we can do that, you know, be that strong. And it's not hard, you know, it's like, you see that with a lot of guys that uh, that do want to be good kickers and stuff, and you're like, well, man, how many times are you kicking that back? I don't do much. I, I usually just hit pads or I'll spar. You're like, but the only time you're really throwing those kicks on your own, you should be doing thousands. Like, uh, Master Kwan, man, we were in his gym doing Taekwondo. You'd be throwing thousands and thousands <laughs> of kicks. Like. You, know, you lose count. You lose count, yeah. But you get efficient. You get your dexterity builds, your accuracy builds. And those were back in, like, the 80s and early 90s. So dudes were still tearing each other's heads off with kicks. So, like, you would get good at them. And even sound karate was that way. But back then, you still had guys that wanted to be nerds for it and really learn the technique. You know, they really wanted to make it work. But some people only want some of the cool stuff. They don't understand the small nuisances of the little techniques that you can do or the little things you should be drilling in movement or defense or being effective and, and placing yourself where you need to be to strike or defend. So everybody's just throwing punches, throwing punches or throwing a kick. And most of the time, they're not, they're not training to land it. You know, well, like where that, they need to. Yeah, that, that's just like a misunderstanding kind of because, the, well, the more you train or the more I train, then I, I realize some of the smallest stuff is the cool stuff or <laughs> say you know the basic uh, well like in a, the first class or uh, of any martial arts or something they'll teach you something but in reality that's a black belt technique you know because it's like if you can't do that uh, simple step or a simple movement you have to do that when you're a black belt you just you perfect it well I like what you said it reminded me of um, that's what I, I do a lot of training I develop my system with uh, a lot of dynamic training with partners doing drills. And you, you start out, the, there's kind of like a learning speed where you're, you're in your head. You're thinking about, okay, how do I want this to work? And you might even do like it by the memorization phase, right? Yeah. And then, um, and then it, it, without even being aware of it, it kind of it, it advances in speed where it's kind of a practice speed and then, you know, more... Uh, um, a more combat speed or whatever, but um, when we're when we're practicing, I want to. Well, what I found, I want to always feel like I'm going slow. When a learning phase, I'm going slow. But then, as it gets faster, I still want my, in my body. I feel like I'm going slow. It's so, meaning it's relaxed and very precise, and you know, not much effort. But 
I want my slow to be everybody else's fast. Right. <laughs> you yeah. know, and it's like, um, that was the analogy you gave with, um, you know, being, um, well, my slow be other people's fast. So the, what it means is I feel like I'm going slow and everybody else is like, whoa, you know, it's, it's slow down. Slow. You're just processing it, you know, a lot quicker because. Well, yeah, I think, and, and by um, hundreds and even thousands of repetitions, it got to where um, you go, you go past the thought process, which means it becomes like what I define as it becomes a reflex. You know, not yeah. I don't think about it, and but now that's just kind of a fun way to think about practice, but the practical way is. If somebody tries to snake punch you or hit you, you know, on the street, they're probably not going to have much warning. You might have a little bit of warning or something, but you don't have time to think about it. You got to just uh, maybe your peripheral vision. You pick up something coming, and you, you know, if you can move without thought, then that that to me is a definition of a reflex. It's like, but to be safe. But you see, like. <clears throat> All professional athletes were able to do that, yeah. you know, because they're just they're unconscious. They call it unconscious, like a flow state, yeah, or being in the zone or yeah. a flow state. Where, but it's just in reality, it's just from they've been doing it all their life, or they put in hours and hours of practice. And, yeah, because it's the way you 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 know when you're confident in the reps that you put in and trying to land something or hit a certain pattern or hit a certain movement. You know, the idea is like to take that into sparring and then try to kind of not blank out, but yeah. make what happened happens. You know, you know, have an action to the, you know, a reaction that they're having and make them have a reaction to an action you're causing. And you want to exactly. play that game back and forth. But if you're trying to process that game yourself and all those little pieces, you know, it's like somebody who can play chess well versus somebody who can play speed chess very well. You know, you don't want to be the guy getting caught behind, but the only difference is... It's how you're calculating the, the speed of the movement. It's like, oh, which one? Should I go here, here? No, I'll go here. You know, because you're not playing enough, you know? Exactly. And when you play enough, it's like it, uh, all that, that type of process will happen without thinking about it. Right. You know, whatever. I mean, it's like, um, I mean, yeah, sure, you're thinking about it, but it's not. It speeds up the process. It speeds up the process to where it's like, it feels effortless, it looks effortless. Somebody looking on, uh, using the martial arts, you know, as an example, but somebody watching, they might, they won't even notice all the little nuances. Sorry about the dog for people listening. Got a cute little dobie, she's just a little loud. <laughs> yeah, she's like, uh, she likes to say hi to everybody. <laughs> she's getting huge. But yeah, I'm sorry. But it's, uh, but over the years I've, I've refined it down to where, um, uh, you know, I would outline step by step if you, because if you follow a system, um, then, you, then we just add on and add on and add on. And then, and then the system's designed to develop the repetitions and to develop the, uh, how to apply the movement, the application. So what I'm excited about right now is that, um, not everybody has access or is able to come to a class. And so we're in the, kind of in the process of developing an online class. And, but 
you know, a way to monitor, to keep it, to keep it uh, valid, to keep yeah. it honest. And, yeah, because you want, you know, the big thing uh, we discussed when doing the, the online course too was, you know, you want the interaction. You know, you, you want them, hey man, how's that looking? You know, the little fine tweaks, the little inner workings. And, you know, some people might not have it. Some people might be good at a skill and do a similar style that, you know, we've got, just not in the format that we're, we're utilizing now. And implement that immediately and it might just be little tweaks and you know that's been the thing over the years that you've always done for my game is just you know because you got so much knowledge on stuff and we come from a lot of the similar past since you know i was with birch you know i hung out with golden i've been around you I've, that whole trifecta for years going on with uh wally J, uh doman and uh Kresos coming out everywhere and you know karate was real good back then you know a lot of guys are trying to get down and, and get good at it and you, you know, you've always kind of stayed ahead, even with everybody. When even when they would stay kind of there, you would still, oh, well, this might be the next step. Like I remember we were talking about weapons one time. We were talking about our niece. And you were you were uh, you were getting information from a dude in Africa about knife fighting and stuff. When you were telling me about that, me and B. That was so scary. <laughs> that guy, I mean, because he, what he did was, well, he grew up in South Africa. And then he was, uh, but some of the foreign countries, and you know, the Philippines, but even uh, South Africa, or whatever, they're more of a knife culture. Yeah. To where, um, and, and that was scary. I don't want to get off track too much, but he was saying, because I went to a couple of workshops, and they were very guarded. They'd only invite a few people or something, because they didn't want people knowing about it. But I asked him. Because he was talking about these gangs would rob people and they'd use use knives, and I said, "Well, don't they have guns there?" <laughs> and you know, ask him. He goes, "Yeah, but in where he grew up, it was like if you went to an emergency room with a knife wound, the doctors didn't have to report it. If it was a gunshot, they had to report." It. And then, you know, so it was like, yeah. And and then guns made a lot of noise, attract attention, and yeah. bullets cost money and all that stuff. <laughs> the economics of how you do your Well, that, well that's what he said. That these gang members, they would have a $2 knife, you know. And if it if it broke, well, they didn't care. And, you know, just like, but it was just, they were they were vicious about it. And, and um, so it's like, and, that was just like a whole nother thing. It was crazy. I kind of uh, put some self-defense and some perspective, right? Well, and he—that was what he said. That he was, he and some of his friends were practicing karate, you know, there, and you know they were tough. But these, uh, the gang, you know, the street reality. These gang members with the knives—they didn't know how to deal with them. So they wanted to develop. They went out and interviewed the guys because they were guys they knew from the neighborhood or whatever, and, and, and um, they interviewed them and. And it, it wasn't like the, uh, the gang members were organized. They didn't have a system. This, one guy would use a certain technique and another guy would use a certain another technique. So they went and interviewed several people and kind of organized it so they could defend against it. But it's like... Um, now people are just sneaking up behind in the U.S. and just doing rear naked chokes on people fighting jiu-jitsu and strangling them out and taking their stuff. Well, see, and that's the thing. Because... Um, that's like taking one thing kind of out of context. I mean, you know, rear naked choke is like, could hurt people, but 
you don't have to be in a class to learn that. Mm -hmm. People are watching that and just yeah. going on. Well, There's been that. a few videos on, on Facebook. That's why it's important to learn to defend yourself with a, a well-rounded yeah. methodology, you know? Like, that was the big thing that uh, I really liked about Eddie for uh, Tent Planet for Jiu-Jitsu. And, uh, you know, because I would, we'd go to seminars, workshops, camps, Kind of like the same way, you know, yeah. it was back in the day when uh, Presauce and Wally J and all them guys were coming out. You'd see these guys do stuff and you're like, damn. You know, he just did that to the whole room. You know, especially like Eddie. Eddie's going to clear out the whole gym if he can. You know, which is why his back got jacked up. You know, but when you watch it, you're like, man, all the details he's given you, you know they work. Because even the dudes who thought they could shut it down or you might take something in your head like, man, I think I can get around that. Then you feel it and you're like, ooh. <laughs> That's, well, see, that's what that's, that shit has done right Well, but that's scary because, um, like what you were just describing, that's like, you knew what he was going to do. And you couldn't stop it. Couldn't stop it, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, man. That's why, uh, like, even uh, Professor Dwayne Ludwig for Bang Muay Thai, he's another interesting mind in martial arts because, you know, he teaches completely different than he did when he, like, how he fights, you know, than how he fought. And he took different lessons, you know, from that. And... Now, Bang Muay Thai, I mean, everything's built off of uh, proper defense while attacking, you know, good drilling with the partners and stuff. And, you know, that's the big thing. Uh, I mean, you've been working on with the karate programs in both Morris and Joliet and a couple of the other schools um, that we'll be launching coming up soon. Um, we got a Chicago chapter. Um, a couple guys up in Wisconsin have hit us up. You know, so these guys that we want to put out for, we want to make sure it's a competent system, a competent style. And the cool thing with you is, I've known you since 96, and you've always stayed ahead of curves. You know, even for your age, I mean, you're doing tough mutters and still, you know, like, going out and doing gong therapy, and, you know, you're, you're talking with a lot of modern people for stuff. So your, your insight from, like, what, probably 50 years in the game now? Well, yeah, I've been doing some kind of martial arts for over 50 years. Uh, you know, if you count... Uh, if I go back and I count, you know, wrestling in high school, but, you know, you learn a lot by doing that, that kind of stuff. Um, Activity, right? Yeah, and then, um, but, but wrestling is tough, because you, you gotta, I remember in high school, wrestling coach said, uh, announced to all of us, we're in the wrestling room or whatever, wrestlers are the toughest athletes, or the best conditioned, and I didn't even understand what he was talking about at the time. But they are, because you gotta carry another person's body weight, you got you know, you, you, you the endurance has to be there, the, the, the strength. And then I got involved in boxing and uh, really didn't have hardly any coaching in boxing. I mean, yeah, we had a coach, but we go down to the, uh, the sheriff had like, a, it was like one floor below the jail in the county building or something. You could hear the prisoners in the jail. <laughs> but there was a ring and, you know, and you could work out, but we were pretty much on our own. But then... They would say, "Okay, we're gonna fight. We're gonna fight the guys from Oklahoma coming up, you know, next month or something. You know, they bring a team up, or you know." And, um, but I mean, see, nowadays everybody's into um, their health conscious and nutrition and everything. I never had any nutritional training, or it was, you know, it was kind of, it was kind of bad. But, um, but you know, it was still experience. It was still. Um, you're still fighting. <laughs> and, um, yeah, then when I, I moved to Illinois, I kind of, I, I 
didn't find a place right away, and then I got involved in the Oriental martial arts. Um, but I was always looking, even when I was a kid, I would look at books about uh, karate and stuff. I don't know why. It was just, you know, I, I was just always was interested for some reason. But now it's interesting that you, it was kind of feedback you gave me about, you say I was ahead of the curve or whatever. It seemed like, um, you know, I didn't realize it at the time. I was just, I was just interested in what would, what, what would I thought would work or something different or whatever. It's like um, I wasn't told that I couldn't look at that. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it was like, okay, I'll, yeah, this looks pretty cool. And, um, yeah, I was just really fortunate uh, to be able to um, meet and be around some of the people that I was around and. Uh, Well, then we go to these different camps, and there'd be people from, uh, you know, all over the country would come. They would come to see Master Priestess or whatever, or even Master Doman. But you know, you get to meet them, and they're inside, and and um, it's just you know you learn from all that just by working it. You got to work it with different people. So. I'm not even sure if I intended to do it in the beginning, but I, I structured out how to progress. And then, um, you know, through, through my, uh, you know, my knowledge or whatever, but then along the way, you put in these different uh, energetic things or different um, places to strike or, um, you know, it's crazy. And uh, I don't know, I'm not even sure if you know, but I... I met a man that grew up in, um, a Korean man that grew up in Russia. Interesting. <laughs> and, and I met him from, um, oh, he was, and then he moved to, from Russia, he moved to Alaska, and Master Doman went up there to do a workshop, and he met, he met the man, and then he, he brought him back down and introduced him to all of us and whatever. I hosted him coming to Joliet for several years, and... But his thing was, he, and his history was, he said he learned it from Tibetan monks in, um, on the Russian-Tibet border and all this kind of stuff. But it's all about sound. You make certain sound, it like enhances your strength and, and, and directional enhancement. And it's like... Is there some, there's a lot to that. Because, I mean, I use uh, um, binaural beats. So I've been doing that for a little while now. Um, that helps with like they have frequencies and so like you know harmonics are huge right I believe that's what it's called right harmonics <laughs> we will everybody does it all the time we're all familiar with it and it's like and and everybody's body might be tuned to like you know a little bit different you know frequency or something or a different sound will resonate with different people you know different people but that's a whole idea behind uh, you know popular music or a certain song that when they get all the the tones are all the harmonics, like just right. It's a hit, you know. Everybody exactly. likes it, and it's like, um, but our bodies. And they know that science well. <laughs> well, yeah, I think it's like, um, yeah, they know how. I mean, whether they do it uh, consciously or subconsciously, but they know how to make hit songs, you know, or whatever. Certain bands or certain tones, and but we all do it anyway, whether we. Um, whether we understand what's happening or not, but it, it, it's like, uh, and there's people that specialize in uh, linguistics or whatever, talking about, um, 
you know, the way people sound or how you, you know, get attention and, <clears throat> but all the politics, all the politicians, they take speaking lessons <laughs> so they can speak to, um, be, be uh, appealable to the most people. <laughs> and, but that's what in the karate they would call a ki or a shout make a certain noise. Every time, every class I was in, you would just they would just say yell, you know, ki. Usually you just try to shout that. But it's like if you shout like a certain <clears throat> vowel sound, it affects the energy of whoever hears it, you know. And it's like it sounds a little um, far fetched, but it's uh, well, not really because someone sounding panicked as opposed to somebody sounding surprised. I mean, they have different tones, you know. Yeah. And you can stop. Um, well, what he was kind of an expert at it in the sense that he would let you try to hit him, and he would say a certain sound, and you you couldn't hit him. Your punch would stop. Interesting. <laughs> I know. It's like, <laughs> see, and it's almost like you almost have to feel it to believe it. It's like yeah. he wouldn't hit you or anything, but he would just make a sound and your punch couldn't penetrate it's like but so it wasn't that it couldn't penetrate it was causing a reaction in your body your your punch would stop so that that's just like kind of an extreme example but to develop that skill he had all kinds of exercises that you you know you practiced and uh, an unbelievably complicated um, you know concept so to speak <clears throat> and I asked him because I'd been I'd done some uh, a lot of meditation work with other energy people and to me what he was showing it was like oh this is this is special it's advanced or something so I asked the man one time why do you show everybody all this advanced stuff and he goes to me it's basic and I'm like oh man but that's it. you see and it was kind of like it was a, a window a peek into things that I'd like to read. I'd like to read articles about that, uh, all those magical sounding concepts, you know, how the, the monks could do this and whatever. And kind of like how people can hypnotize people, things that... Humans work really interestingly off of tones, frequencies. Yeah, and the power of suggestion, all that yeah. kind of stuff, you know I mean? It's like, okay, that... Everybody goes, okay, I understand that. But it's like, um, okay, how do you make it work? So, but that's what I liked about even uh, Master Priestess or or Master Doman or and or Master Wally J. They were hands-on in the sense that um, you could come around and talk about it and nobody would question them, so to speak, you know, because, oh, you're the master. But, but then they would, um, okay, here. You want to feel it? Let's do it to you, or whatever, you know. And and, and Master Priestess, he was like, he would work with anybody, and, and um, you know, just to, to get your timing and stuff. And, but to be able to work with the Master, I've just been really fortunate. Um, Master Waller J, I spent a little bit of time with him, but, you know, I, I never really... Uh, and for people that aren't too familiar with Wally J, Wally J uh, created a lot of the small circle jiu-jitsu stuff. So he was real popping back in back in the day, eighties and nineties. He was getting yeah, really, and real then popular. he would talk about uh, some of the jujitsu things, and and he was ranked in judo and and jujitsu, and and he had a small team. Uh, he would take them to these different meets, and he had just had a few people or something on his team, just a small team, you know, 
but they would beat everybody. <laughs> so it was just his innovations. Instead of doing the big circular motions, he would just do a smaller motion. I mean, it was really the same thing, but um, so he just perfected a way to like um, to make it work. And he told everybody one time that the judo guys they were upset with them. They, they kind of tried to ostracize him at one time. He said they, because they said, well, you're not doing the way the master did, you know, the originator of judo or whatever. And he, and he said, well, you know, we, we don't drive, you know, Henry Ford invented the Model T, we don't drive Model Ts anymore, you know, everything's evolved. So he, he, was, he was an innovator at the time. He, he, let, he evolved the system to where it worked. And, um, I don't know if everybody knows or not, but um, Bruce Lee was one of his students. Because Bruce Lee lived out in the Oakland area, and he lived there in, in Oakland. And um, and I guess uh, Master Jay would work for the Postal Service or something. And he, he would come home from work, and he said Bruce Lee would be sitting on his front porch waiting for him. He's, you know, he's like, that would have been dope. <laughs> well, see, but Bruce Lee wasn't really famous at the time. I mean, he was, but he wasn't. But the point point is, is that he was like that first wanted, real gym rat, right? Or he wanted to learn. Yeah. yeah. And Master Jay said, Bruce Lee, if you told him, you showed him something or told him to work on it, you had to make him stop. <laughs> you know, I mean, he just worked and worked and worked. He just like, um, but that's what made him eventually, you know, stand out. He was just a hard worker. He was like, um, he, he tried to perfect everything. And, you know, he learned, I mean, he knew things in his own right from, you know, growing up in Hong Kong or whatever also. But, um, but yeah, Master Jay said that Bruce Lee asked him one time, how come you have this, this uh, small group of guys, this small team, and you go and, and you win all the time? And so, you know, he's, he said, um, and he told him because he, Innovates, you know. He, he he uses movements that aren't um, so traditional, so people don't know how to deal with them. Right. That seems to be the usual path for guys that do that do well with a system that works. Like you know, Eddie's like that. Yeah. Eddie's gonna hit you with all kinds of stuff. But there's still a lot of basic jujitsu uh, jujitsu that's there. You know, with Dwayne, same thing. Professor Lovely's got that same flow, and it's kind of interesting because. A lot of those guys had that back then, and they they mingled well. Like Wally J's style worked well with Remy Priestas' style. That whole flow, you know, and which is why what we've been doing with the updates, um, combining the Arnis, modernizing it, modernizing the 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 striking patterns and the movements, you know, incorporating the blocking patterns correctly, and revamping everything to compete, you know, in MMA, to compete in the street level, compete in competitions, you know, because I think that, you know, that's missing in some of the karate programs that you go to now. You know, they, they, some people want things to work and they want to feel it, but you got to guide them to that. You got to say, okay, that's cool, but you got to do this 10% real quick. There's that memorization phase that's got to happen. You know, memorize A, B, C, D, how it's supposed to go. Once you can do that without us having to talk about it and break it down, then we can speed that up. Now then, we can go a little harder. And then that's the thing by doing repetitions, it's like, it's, it's impossible to do a movement exactly the same two times in a row. Yeah. Because it's just body dynamics, or it's like, uh, you know, it's going to be just a slightly, the angle will be slightly off a little bit, or, or whatever. And then, the, but that's the thing that I 
that I consciously made an effort to do to organize my structure, my training system, so that like the same movement that I teach to a five-year-old that I teach to an adult. So sometimes adults get like, oh, they, oh, I don't want to do what that's a little kid's move or something. Because you adults are lazy, <laughs> lazy. Don't but be the, lazy. Don't sell yourself short. Yeah. But the point <laughs> is, is that um, there there can be a children's application. Maybe a playground application where the child can stay safe without having to punch another kid in the face. Yeah. Learn etiquette, yeah. how to walk away, but still being confident enough to. Yeah. And then, uh, but the same movement that a child can use, it's it has it's a possibility to use to defend yourself in a life and death situation. And uh, I kind of I understood I understood understand that, and I did it deliberately that way because. It's the same thing if you're an adult. There might be a schoolyard bully trying to bully you. <laughs> you know, and, and, well, I, I, get, I always use the example. You're at the family picnic and uh, Uncle Joe that you only see every year or so, or, you know, they want to mess with you. And <laughs> you can't really knock their teeth out. <laughs> you got to arm drag him, snap him down yeah, the ground, take his back. <laughs> well, you can't injure him. Yeah, you know, it doesn't mean... You won't they, be injured, just do it in the grass. Can't feel pain, yeah, <laughs> you know. Make them feel pain or whatever, so they get the message. But if you injure them, it's like it's, and then you got to deal with your aunt Betty or something, you know. But but it's the same thing on the street. If I could protect myself without injuring someone, okay, then I can like I can I, I kind of have a clear conscience. Or if something comes of it and I have to go to court, then it's like. Well, we're not talking about replacing somebody's teeth or, you know, they're paralyzed or um, e even if the person might deserve it or something, but you, but there's ramifications and it's like, if, and people, most people, you know, ideally aren't going to get into a fight, you know, the average person, sometimes, you know, most will do it as kids and stuff, but the average adult ideally wouldn't get into a, a fight. And if you are that kind of person that you're out getting into all these fights, then you're probably a stroke. So like, <laughs> I shouldn't be learning anything extra. Yeah, you're probably but, the bully. <laughs> yeah, but the thing, you know, if you, you got to go to a program, though, that's going to give you that 10% to that 100% feel but teach you how to get there safely. And, you know, because a fight don't lie. You know, there's a different tempo to something actually going on, and you got to be confident in it because all that stuff's going to pop up. You know, the moment, you know, oh, you're not as strong as you thought you are going to be in this moment, you know damn, you know, they're rolling a little bit harder than they rolled when we were doing in class. And, you know, it's not something unfixable if you put yourself in those situations to drill it, try it, process it. Then if you should have to take it out to an environment to make it work, an MMA fight, a jiu-jitsu match, you know, defending yourself on the street, you're going to be confident in your competency. You know, you don't want to be, uh, you don't want to be hitting a bag soft thinking that your kick is going to actually hurt somebody. You want to be kicking that bag so much that you're probably replacing that bag soon. You know, if you can do that, that one kick is going to do well. Because, you know, everybody uses the, oh, we'll do 10,000 reps, and it'll make you a master. Yeah, but that math, math can be negative or positive. Because if you're doing 9,000 reps half-assed or not with any kind of conscious effort into understanding why this moment works, why this is going to happen, why this is going to apply here, and then the various speeds and uh, time management that you have to understand. 
And if you're not willing to process that, then you're, not, you're just kind of participating, which kind of hurts you in the, the long run because it's not going to pop up for you when you need it, you know. And that's why I think jiu-jitsu is, so, is a good defensive program as well because you do get that hands-on. It's forced, you know, and it's just one rare things where, like, you know, Joe Rogan says a lot, you, you don't have, you know, with striking, you don't want to be going 100% all the time. You know what I'm saying? But you can do that competently if you're training with somebody who knows what they're doing as well. But with jiu-jitsu, I mean, you can 100% work on somebody as long as they're not popping your arm or strangling <laughs> you to death, you know, like, and you can do it pretty safely. But you'll learn really quick that that time in and that repetition is huge because, you know, sometimes I'll have days where I might not get a weekend of roll time. And you'll feel it, you know, versus sometimes, you know, getting the roll time inconsistently. And then if you're a guy that hasn't rolled in months and you still got a game, you know, and you're still able to do jiu-jitsu, you're going to gas after that first or second round because you need that time in. It's like lifting weights. Yeah. you got to show up and get stronger, but you got to do it smart. And that's that's all the, uh, that's why the class becomes important sometimes because it's all learning. And then what, like you say, when you do the repetitions, you're learning to make those little adjustments. Because you might have a specific uh, movement and you have a name for it and here's what I want to get. And sometimes with a practice partner, you practice that in this perfect environment, like maybe an arm bar or, or, or whatever, you know, or to get somebody's back or something. But in a real situation, it, it might not be like by the numbers, you know, but yeah. you still you still try for it. You still got to make an, you make an adjustment. So that that's one of the training um, and dilemmas is that even, even I know with what I do is I teach people to do a certain drill by the numbers, you know, that's how you learn it. But then it's, in a real situation, it's not going to be by the numbers. The other guy's not, the other person's, you know, in, in like a self-defense situation, they're not going to cooperate. But um, if I haven't practiced the movement, then I, I might freeze or something. Yeah, so I've got percentage for success and surviving yeah. go way down. Yeah, and then... Uh, but even when we practice, and even like you're talking about, when you, you roll or, or if I do some of my drills, it's like I'm, I'm practicing in this, this specific drill works very well for this specific thing, you know, that means they, they reach towards me and you capture their arm and whatever, um, but it, it doesn't always happen like that, and then, um, you know, like I was saying, you got to make the adjustment, oh, but... What I do is I tell people, okay, you gotta cooperate, and then he'll cooperate. But what it does, it also, I have to, um, <clears throat> I have to trust my partner, because yeah. I'll let him twist my arm, but I gotta trust him not to like hurt my arm, <laughs> you know. So they're learning how to, I, I guide him, and how do you get it this precise like way so that it works? But now you can't add a lot of force, you gotta start out, like you say, with the 10% or maybe even 5% to get the precise, the precise precision, yeah, the, the technique, so to speak. And then, um, <clears throat> well, like, I have a series of, like, different uh, wrist locks that I show, but I, I show, like, five of them or six of them that they, they transition from one to the other. But I have to trust my partner. Not I'll, I'll let him get my hand, but I have to trust my partner not to like jerk it or be injured. So it's like, but what I try to tell help, to help people understand if if you're letting your partner do it to to do it to you, 
okay, you're helping, they're learning how to do it. But don't just space out. I mean, uh, you're learning the counter. Yeah. <clears throat> because you learn, you can let it get so far, but you start to recognize when your hand is about to be twisted, you got to get it out before it gets goes so far that you you're locked out you know yeah and that's that time man you need it and it's got to be honest time so you feel it you feel it right away and then if i'm the one doing a certain kind of lock or something i want to learn to where i feel instantly if it's working because if it's not working i got to give up and move on or something because um because a lot of a lot of things that that i show and, and that i know you can verify a lot of them they work really well if you get it, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's which is most techniques, right? Exactly. Yeah, you know, a kick works really well if you get it. If the other, but the other person gets out of the way and grabs your leg, it's like, oh, Plan B. Or, the easy know. way to shore that up is to try it. I mean, because that's been the biggest thing I've done with my uh, it's repetition. Yeah, with my jujitsu game is you know I go to these ten planet camps or I go to a seminar. I bring a. Uh, one of the guys like uh, Scott Epstein out or Denny, uh, I bring Omar. You know, if I get technique from guys or just the many instructors over the years, you know, you have to still come back and try that shit. Otherwise, what did you just take the information in? And anybody that's been to Eddie's seminars knows that like what Eddie's showing there is pretty much what's happening in the system. So you pretty much have to take that back and apply it. So you have to go to all the guys from the guys who are like white belt, new, you know, and they're going to have their different ranges and then all the way up to your experience, guys. And you got to try to see how far you can take that path or that pattern or that technique or how many times can I catch this half guard pattern or how many times can I slip this jab and counter the way I want every time I see a jab, you know, and work those dynamics, you know, and it's hard, you know, and then you want ideally for your, for the students, you know, to, to try to do that consciously because in a moment of motion is a moment to be conscious. You know, if something happens with a conflict, that's a moment to be conscious all the way through the whole project. Kind of like being an electrician, you know, you're not going to be slack-minded playing with some electricity. You're going to be like, let me make sure this is off. Let me check off this box. Let me make sure this is good, you know, and that's the trick, right? How, how can you still deal with the danger while being safe? The only way is to, to be confident in what you've been doing and the time and you know, you've been putting in. And that's really a good analogy, like the, the trades, because... Uh, you know, people make a lot of money in the trades, but they don't start you off. Um, you're, you're not a master electrician. You're not a master carpenter. You start off with an apprentice, and you work under somebody that's a master. And they, they, you know, they they make sure you don't get electrocuted. Right. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, over time, it's the same thing. They got to put in their time, and then pretty soon they know they know what to do or they know how to do it. And um, but. Interesting what you're saying too about some people, like in, in my system or in any system that's ranked, you know, with a belt ranking or something, that just the color of the belt kind of identifies your knowledge. But the higher belts, they should gradually, they accept responsibility, help this lower rank. Right. Because when you try, like you say, you go to workshop, you come back, now you're the teacher. You're trying to show one of your, uh, you know, show one of your students that, um, one of your students, that's what, here's what we did over the weekend. So now you're the teacher, but when you come back and you start to explain it, that just reinforces what you learned. And then, right. and then they, okay, look, somebody gets good, okay, show it, here, show this guy this. And 
when you have to like when you have to put it into words it's like and and that's the trick too is you know you man. want you want to you want to do something that when you look at the whole room everybody's got similarities because then that shows that everything's working and that's why it's been really fun for me because it was a long time since I really like was teaching karate again I'm so doing uh, Muay Thai and mostly like jujitsu and stuff and you know messing with you as much as I could and now I've got it got you back out here and you know you're gonna be doing a lot of videos for your stuff you got so much information to give and you know having both the academies going and all the students that we've been having at those places I mean they're picking it up pretty well you know, and, and by next year, they're going to be completely different. And I think the culture that we created was not the belt chasing culture, but the culture that, like, they want to be good at that leg kick because they know they're going to need it later on. You know, they want to be good at this blocking mechanic because they know they're going to need it later on. They want to be, they want to understand things. They want to understand what it is they're doing. And for us, I think it's important to teach them how to think, you know, the right processes as opposed to just what to think. Like, here's some things that we think works. Try it, apply it. You see us doing it if it works. You see our, our predecessors doing it and vice versa. You know, so it's the proof in the pudding. But yeah, you know, uh, we're coming up on our, our hour. And I know we're going to be doing this podcast a lot more. Um, you're going to be on here with me and we're co-hosting. And then we're going to be bringing on other instructors, other coaches from different areas. Um, you got anything else you want to finish out with? Uh, no, just that... Um... <clears throat> You know, anybody out there listening or anybody that's, like, interested because, you know, I realize there, there are people out there that are really sincere or that want to learn and maybe they don't have access to a class or they don't, you know, it's just too far away or something. So I'm excited about um, putting it in, uh, you know, teachable little sections or yeah. video and, and put it out there. And if somebody's really serious, well you know it's going to be available and um because that's the ultimate goal learn and then teach someone else each one like, teach one right I'll well, that, yeah you. that's what makes it real for you when you have to that's what i found out first time i went to see master priestess he's standing up there and he tells everybody go teach someone and i'm, I'm thinking to myself what the, I don't know anything. <laughs> and I, I, I knew one simple move. I said, well, yeah, I know that. I know, okay, I'll show Google that. And then it just, that's how it started. It's just like a... But it takes, a, it takes good pupils. And, you know, we're fortunate at our academy to have great students, man. I, we've oh, got people yeah. there that have been there doing jiu-jitsu and Muay Thai for five years, six years. Quite a bit. Really good. So, like Master Dave said, um, look out for the New Path Kempo website. We're going to be coming out with uh, a little bit towards the end of summer. We're going to be doing our blocks that uh, if you want to join the team and start spreading the New Path Kempo system and what we've been working on, you can do it through there. And um, it is a way for us to help keep uh, the system spreading for guys. And if you're already um, similar in style with Modern Arnis and, and this style of Kempo, Hit us up, man, if you're wanting to check out some updated material along with, you know, Master Dave was one of the, you know, oldest of OGs in the system. Come check it out, man. We're, we're taking on all people. So, again, check out our Morris Academy. Um, check out our Joliet Academy. We're teaching karate five days a week. Oh, six with the weekend day. Um, throughout the academy. And we got Muay Thai programs. We do no gi programs. We do a lot of 10 planet flows. We just added a Brazilian jiu-jitsu class that we do with Guy, with Coach Raul. So lots of cool things coming. Master Dave, thank you for your time, sir. I look forward to, to all the cool podcasts we're going to be doing together. Yeah, the future is exciting. It's exciting. Um, 
My man. All right, sir. You have a great day.